Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, we're going to go over some of the uh, the highlights of the debate last night. Uh, the five non-Trump uh, nom- or uh, candidates for the nomination of the Republican Party. Uh, they debated down in Florida last night on NBC. Before I get to some of these uh, clips, or the rest of these clips, um, caller at the end of the last hour there, Don, who said that this is, uh, believes that there is some, uh, this is a long-held goal of Israel to uh, take over the Gaza Strip. And it, it is, in fact, the opposite. Israel would love nothing more than to be rid of a terrorist camp uh, on their border. The problem is it's a terrorist camp being run by a death cult. And, I mean, yeah, Netanyahu now said, yeah, we're going to be going in there and they're going to have to, quote, occupy it because Egypt won't. Egypt refuses to take Palestinians in and it refuses to annex the land. They've been offered. They won't take it. They don't want it. They do not want anything to do. Here's the thing. Hamas and Palestinians, they've been kicked out of literally every country around them over the course of the last 40 years, 50 years. So, you know, they they are more than happy. These other Arab nations are more than happy to let Israel deal with this problem, because as long as Israel has to deal with it, it means they don't have to. And that's why every one of the countries refused to admit Palestinians into their country, despite the humanitarian crisis going on because Hamas launched a war, right? Why isn't Egypt taking in all of these Palestinian refugees? Innocent civilians, innocent Palestinians, they have the Rafah crossing, why wouldn't they take them in? Because they know what happens when they take in large numbers of Palestinians, they end up with unrest Terrorism attempts to overthrow the government, and all this is what has been the past experience. When these uh, this population goes into, uh, they went into Lebanon, and you still see Hezbollah operating there. It took down the entire country, right? Lebanon used to be, uh, Beirut was the Paris of the Middle East. Um, who else kicked them out? Egypt, right? Egypt won't take them. Egypt kicked them out. They don't. They don't want West Bank, and that's why it's called the West Bank. Egypt had control over it, the West Bank of the Jordan River. So, no, Israel doesn't want the Gaza Strip. They're going to have to take it because the alternative, because nobody else will take it, the alternative is to have a terrorist training camp and dealing with this, these kinds of attacks in perpetuity. And so they can't, they're, they're not going to allow that to happen. Nor would we, by the way. Nor would we. All right, uh, let's go to the uh, audio here of the uh, the debate. The first question I mentioned uh, uh, earlier, I thought Ron DeSantis did a good job in answering that, but Vivek Ramaswamy, his answer, crowd favorite, although he, I think, ruined a lot of that goodwill that he bought, uh, had built up in the beginning of the debate by going after Nikki Haley's 
a kid, but um, it's always a good idea for a Republican to attack the, quote, mainstream media. It's a crowd favorite, and it has the additional benefit of being largely true. So uh, going after uh, the moderators, going after the networks that, uh, for example, um, Ron DeSantis uh, later on, uh, yeah, Ron DeSantis later on, uh, and I think I have the audio here, we'll, we'll play as well. Uh, he talked about the, um, let me see, do I actually have it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be the next clip. NBC not only did the fact check on Tim Scott when Tim Scott said that he, he believes there are sleeper cells that are already in America, and NBC fact checked that and said, you know, we don't know. He doesn't know that. Well, yeah, he said he believes it, and obviously the numbers, just in the gotaways and the uh, uh, the meetings that uh, Border Patrol has had with people on the terrorist watch list, the numbers would would make it obvious that yes, there are people that have gotten through. I got a uh, actually I got a tweet here about this topic. It's a P tweet. Soul Man says, despite the allegations of terrorist sleeper cells slipping through the border with the other two million illegal entries. I'm still operating under the impression that white supremacy is the biggest threat to the United States. After all, Joe Biden did mumble it. That's true. He did. I do recall the mumbling about that. Yeah. Um, All right. So Vivek Ramaswamy goes after the uh, the moderators. uh, Well, one of them specifically, but also NBC and the RNC chair, Ronna McDaniel. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We're a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. All right. I think he was listening to my show yesterday because that sounds like that does. It sounds like my first hour of the show yesterday. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats and we've got Kristen Welker here. You think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Chris, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with a Hunter Biden laptop story. Mr. Ramaswamy, and they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Let me turn to Governor, Governor Christie. Why you? Audience, audience, let's not do this. Let's, let's not do this. Let's let the candidate speak. Uh, Governor Christie. Uh-huh. Let's let the candidate speak as you cut him off. <laughs> All right. They, and there were several warnings uh, by Lester the Scold. Uh, telling uh, Holt, uh, le- telling that uh, uh, the audience they need to stop applauding. Which, honestly, do you even really need to have an audience at these things? 
if you're going to have an audience, you need to expect that they're going to applaud and cheer and boo. That's that's why you do it, right? Or are you just doing it? Is it is it like a monetary thing? You do it and you sell tickets. Is that the deal? All right. So here's the uh, here's the line. The question was, um, what do you tell Benjamin Netanyahu about Hamas? You, you know, if you're if you're on the phone with him right now, what do you tell him? And this was uh, DeSantis's answer. I would be telling BB, finish the job once and for all with these butchers, Hamas. They're terrorists. They're massacring innocent people. They would wipe every Jew off the globe if they could. He cannot live with that threat right by his country. That Hamas should release every hostage and they should unconditionally surrender. I'm sick of hearing the media. I'm sick of hearing other people blame Israel just for defending itself. We will stand with Israel in word and in deed, in public and in private. And I can tell you, as governor, I actually did something about it. Biden's neglect has been atrocious. Uh, We had Floridians that were over there after the attack. He left them stranded. They couldn't get flights out. So I scrambled resources in Florida. I sent planes over to Israel, and I brought back over 700 people to safety. There could have been more hostages had we not acted. All right. And then NBC did a fact check on what he just said. I sent planes over to Israel. I brought back over 700 people. Here's the NBC fact check. This is half true. DeSantis signed an executive order that allowed the Florida Division of Emergency Management to pay for Americans in Israel to fly back to the U.S. But the flights were organized by a nonprofit, and DeSantis's primary role was to fund the flights. Nearly 700 people were evacuated. Wait a minute. Okay, first off, people don't get evacuated unless you, like, shoot them and they get holes in them and then everything pours out. Like, that's what evacuation means. Like, that's not buildings are evacuated. Okay, but be that as it may, NBC, the wordsmiths, they're going to fact check Ron DeSantis on the fact that he says, I sent the planes over there. Like I, the, the fact that like I got this done and they're like, well, no, you didn't actually because you weren't flying the plane. And so you really didn't do it. So he signs the executive order that allows the state agency to go get the people from Israel but they don't want to give him credit for it, so they say it's half true. It's really unbelievable. This is why nobody on the right believes you as a fact-checking organization, right? When you're like, we're going to fact-check you. Spare me. Spare me. Because first off, you don't do it even-handedly. Secondly, you do this kind of garbage where it's like, that's a half-truth. And it's it's not. He did. That's what he did. I know you don't like him, but that's what that's what happened. He signed the order. He got the people out. That's what he did. That was his. That was under his leadership. I do have uh, emails here to get to, but I want to run through a couple more clips. Two thirty, two thirty-five. We're going to be joined by Tyler Voigt from uh, Americans for Prosperity, North Carolina. Get his take on the debate as well. See what they're up to. Uh, all right. So next up, they were talking about uh, foreign policy. They spent the first half of the debate last night on NBC talking about foreign policy, um, and so this is still from that first portion. Vivek Ramaswamy, he says Joe Biden sold off American foreign policy. Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, got a $5 million bribe from Ukraine. That's why we're sending $200 billion back to that same country. The fact of the matter is the Republican Party is not that much better. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the U.N., bankrupt or in debt was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. That's the choice we face. 
do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first, or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case, we've got two of them on stage Mr. Ramaswamy, thank you. All right, so a lot of people heard the shot at uh, Nikki Haley. And a lot of people, I think, did not hear the shot also at Ron DeSantis. Because he said, uh, Dick Cheney in three-inch heels, we have two of them on stage. And this is the common Trump world hit on DeSantis. They make all of these jokes and and attacks that that he wears lifts or something. He's 5'11". So, and he wears cowboy boots. And apparently there were a lot of people in Trump world that don't, that did not know that there actually are, there's a whole cowboy culture in Florida. And he wears those boots because of that. As an homage to them, and I forget what the name of the, the, the culture is, but it's, you know, it's like 200 years old, 300 years old, whatever. So they keep making these, the, these jokes about him wearing lifts in his shoes. And like, I'm, I'm at a loss. Have you, I mean, because you are aware, like for, for any other candidate, I know I'm like, I'm not trying to be ugly about this, but I'm talking about the people that are around Trump. Because these are the people that keep making the, all of these memes and stuff. But you are aware of Trump's hair, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if uh, DeSantis is wearing lifts in his in his shoes. I, I don't know. I've I've seen the memes. I've seen the pictures. They're not convincing. So I don't know if it's true or not. He he says no. But they keep saying it, and so that's what Vivek look. Vivek Ramaswamy, to me, has presented himself quite clearly as running for vice president for Donald Trump. And so he is doing all of the attacks on the stage against uh, uh, DeSantis and Haley in order to hurt them because Trump's not there to do it himself. That's my that's my read on his campaign. And in fact, before the debate last night, he said that. Um, his goal was to be even, uh, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but it was, you know, my goal was to be even more annoying this time <laughs> than I was in the first debate. So Haley then responds. Governor Haley, would you please answer that? Yes, I'd first like to say they're five-inch heels, and I don't wear them unless you can run in them. Um, well, we got two this, of you on stage. The second thing so. that I will say is I wear heels. They're not for a fashion statement. They're for ammunition. Which I'm not sure that like how big would the magazine be if that's i mean think about it i mean if that's a high capacity magazine with lots and lots of high heels in them like that's a really big magazine i don't even know that's just not it's just not practical i don't think um unless she was saying it's a weapon that she will you know take it off and use it to like shove the heel into your eye socket. I think that's probably what she was going for, right? That The way you read it? I, I mean, it. it sounds to me like you know, ammunition. It sounds like she's going to throw them at people. Maybe they're uh, maybe they're kind of sharp on the bottom, um, and they're kind of like, you know, yeah. shoe-throwing stars. But that's not a lot of ammunition. Right. It's and not then even, you got to go chase your, chase your shoes down barefoot. Right. It's just, that's, that's not, not even practical. ammo. It's, it's just a, it's a throwable. Yeah, I can throw my shoe. Right. It's not and ammo. It, right. And if I throw it hard enough and, you know, just... Being in the head with I'm it. I'm still going to hurt. I don't got to puncture anything. Exactly. <laughs> I could just bruise you. Right. Exactly. So uh, this then, and so obviously 
Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy really, 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 really don't like each other. The next question then was about um, whether or not to uh, to ban TikTok because it's scraping people's info. The Chinese are using it uh, as uh, informational warfare, psyops and stuff. Uh, TikTok is just terrible people. Just It's just awful. Anyway, so the question goes to Vivek. How do you get TikTok banned if you yourself... Vivek, use it. Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Your adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters propping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy There you go. There's your meme. You're just scum, she said. And that was where Vivek lost the room. I think up until that point, people were, you know, putting up with him. I'm not saying he maybe won people over, but his initial answer, where he went after Ronald McDaniel, said, you know, losers and all this. I think I think that that went a, a good way for him. And then he just kind of set it all on fire with that. Because you just you don't go after people's kids. And by the way, Nikki Haley's daughter is like 25 years old. She's an adult. Why would you attack uh, as if Nikki Haley could be like, no, don't you be on TikTok. She's 25. Come on. I want to welcome back to the program Tyler Voigt. He's the uh, state director of Americans for Prosperity, North Carolina's chapter. Uh, welcome back, Tyler. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm assuming that you watched the debate every uh, last moment of the debate last night uh, out of Florida on NBC. I did, and, I, and the, the whole debate and then the clips after the fact. It was a, it was a fun show. So you are a masochist. I knew it. Um, all right, so I know I watched it as well, and as I tell everybody, I watch it so they don't have to because I am a giver. Um, so uh, I guess I'll ask first off, like, what, was, uh, what were your initial impressions on uh, how people performed? Because I know Americans for uh, Prosperity, you guys have not done any endorsements yet, right, in the presidential race? Yeah, we haven't yet. Um, that that is coming. We will be endorsing sometime um, sometime in the near future. But as far as the debate, um, I thought it was I thought it was a good debate. I, I enjoyed having five candidates on the stage instead of what we've seen before. It, it really provided the opportunity for them to get their message out instead of when you're jumping around from ten people or even more, like we saw in 2016. It, it provided a little bit more substance and. Honestly, one of the things I was impressed with is how this debate and the other debates, they've been able to get on there, provide their policy uh, priorities, their vision for the future, um, and, and not make the entire thing about President Trump. Um, he is he's the elephant in the room to a lot of people, and uh, they, were able to, they were able to actually have a conversation and get their messages across. Uh, I know the first question that they asked all of them is, was to contrast themselves to the former president. Um, but other than that, it, it it really it was quite a bit of substance. Yeah. Um what it, what did you think of the uh the back and forth once again between Ramaswamy and Haley? Uh it was uh I, I think uh, Vivek is a very interesting candidate. Um I think he's got a lot of ideas. I see why he resonates with a lot of people. Uh I think his message gets clouded in a way when he says some things like uh talking about Nikki Haley's daughter. Um, I, I think that probably is not going to sit well with a lot of people. 
when he's trying to make a point, um, that's what they're going to remember is that he talked about Nikki Haley's daughter or that he came out swinging at the commentators uh, or, or the media. But that's, that's the red meat that a lot of folks are looking for, too. Um, but but I, I feel like a lot of his ideas kind of get lost in the sauce when, he, when stuff like that's going on. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think the, the attack on the media, uh, it makes sense. The attack on Ronald McDaniel makes sense. Um, I, I think I saw afterwards, and, and maybe you saw it too, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, that it looked like she went up to him after the debate was over and that they were they were chit-chatting uh, while he was kind of like still on the stage, crouching down. I think that was her that he was talking to. Did you see that? Yeah, I, did. I saw a clip of that. I think that was her too. I think uh, a lot of it's a show for the people. Um, that, that's what the debates are. So who knows what they were actually talking about? Sure, but other 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 than that, I, I thought it was a I thought it was an enjoyable debate. I, I think they missed a couple topics. I, I don't think they talked about VA health reform. Um, it, it took over half the debate to start getting into Bidenomics and the state of the economy, which is something that when we're on the doors every day, it is it it doesn't take half the time for people to talk about that being their biggest issue. They they get that right away. Um, but, but I thought other than that, once they did start talking about the economy and Bidenomics, it seemed like they were all fairly on the same page that this is, we're heading in the wrong direction here. Right. So let's, uh, let, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, Americans for Prosperity, you guys do a lot of uh, voter interaction, door knocking, and that sort of thing. Um, so it, it, you mentioned that this is what people are talking about. And I was glad to, like you said, they finally got around to it. And I thought actually Chris Christie had, uh, and Tim Scott had the best answers on these questions uh, about energy being sort of this core issue that affects the prices of so many other things. And and is that something that that uh, most people, when you guys are out there doing the door knocking, do you encounter people who recognize that connection? I think yes and no. I think some people see the importance of it um, and, and what it means to basically everything but a lot of people are talking about just kitchen table issues. Um, one thing that I noticed last night that I thought was a really good line was from Governor DeSantis when he talked about, and I mean, I think he, nailed the, he hit the nail on the head here, is when he talked about people were concerned about what they're taking out of their carts and not what they're putting into their carts um, when they're going grocery shopping. And I mean, Thanksgiving is it's two weeks away. So these people are they're trying to plan their dinners. They're talking about, like you said, energy. They're talking about how, they're, how are they going to afford to take gas to travel across the state or travel across the country to have a meal with their family. So when you're looking at things like that, yeah, that's, that's hitting home with folks. Um, and, and energy independence and energy abundance, it's got to be a top priority for whoever comes into this, uh, whoever, whoever comes out from the primary and then whoever goes uh, to the White House in, in 25. Um, it, it just has to be one of the forefront key issues for them. So what is AFP looking uh, at as it decides who to endorse? And then what does that mean? Oh, actually, hang on a second. I'm just seeing across. we got a breaking news here. Uh, U.S. Senator Joe Manchin not running for re-election, announces he's not running for re-election. So, um, what, so Tyler, what, uh, what does AFP look for when it's making its endorsements? And also then what does that endorsement actually mean on the ground for your organization? It was funny uh, when you bring up Joe Manchin. I actually saw that flash across my screen right before we started, too. Ah. So that was a. Uh, I, I was wondering if we were going to get into that, but yeah. Uh, well, we're, yeah. We're, go ahead, get it. If you got if you got thoughts on that too, yeah. Go uh, go for it. No, I, I think uh, I think Senator Manchin sees kind of the writing on the wall there. Uh, West Virginia is going to be a tough state for a Democrat to win, um, and I, I I think 
he's kind of tired of the divisiveness in politics too. And then and I think that's something that we're looking for when we're when we're looking for a primary candidate too for president. We want somebody who can win, who can bring their message to the American people, and and is is aligned with AFP's vision on what the country should look like uh, moving forward. Um, that uh, that's 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 just something that's we don't feel like President Trump can do. Uh, I think that played out a little bit on Tuesday night when we saw Trump-endorsed candidates uh, who he spoke about glowingly uh, as early as, I think, Saturday uh, come out come out uh, not winning on Tuesday, and then the, the tone kind of changes on why they lost. So I think we, we don't see President Trump as having that path forward and beating Joe Biden, and I don't think the country can afford another four years of Joe Biden. I think that's kind of back to those, those kitchen table issues. We've seen four, four years. That's four years too many. Um, and we can't do this again. So we need somebody who can go in, bring that winning message about moving America forward, and uh, and actually win in November. So, and then what does uh, when you decide when the organization decides who to endorse for president? Then what does that mean? What do you guys do? Yeah, I, I, that means the same thing we do with every election. Is once we're in it, we're going to be in it to win. Uh, we have one of the largest grassroots operations in the country. I would say the largest grassroots operation in the country across 36 states. Um, North Carolina has one of the one of the biggest ones. When we were in uh, for Senator Bud, well, Congressman Bud at the time, I think we knocked over uh, 800 and I think it was 875,000 doors just here alone. So what that means is we were, we're going to get the message out about whoever we do end up um, seeing as as that champion for us uh, in the primary, we're going to get the message out about why we feel like this is the best person to kind of lead forward, uh, lead forward and, and beat Joe Biden and why we feel like their policy priorities really do connect and impact the American people. Tyler Voigt, the uh, state director of the uh, Americans for Prosperity North Carolina chapter. You can find out more about them at AFPNC.org. You can also uh, check them out on Twitter and on Facebook. Tyler, thanks so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, brother. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart carolina readiness supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran owned carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out thanks again to tyler for joining me from americans for prosperity uh afpnc.org is their website uh, All righty. So uh, he did mention, and we were talking a little bit about this, uh, uh, the energy issues. Let me jump ahead to clip number eight. During the debate last night, Tim Scott, I thought, had a really great response to Lester Holt, who apparently does not know how the oil markets work. Mm. To actually mm-hmm. export the surplus energy that we create in our nation and disconnect from China and from murderous dictators and tyrants around the world. Your time is up, but let me just follow up. The idea of pumping gas, of of turning on pipelines, that doesn't make gas cheaper that day. I'm talking about you become president. 
What can you do specifically to help people feel better about their situation or be better with their situation? All right. So first off, this is a really stupid question. Okay, just I need to call that out. It's a really stupid question. The idea that a president can do something on day one to to like rate or lower or raise everybody's prices that day as if like this was the old joke about George W. Bush that he's he's got a little computer somewhere in the White House and he goes on there and he like sets the gas prices. It's just it's it's stupid. So the the premise of the question was dumb to begin with. And then Lester Holt doubles down on the dumbassery and he's like, well, uh, that's just down the road or whatever. And Tim Scott actually has a really great response to this. Well, actually, it does, to be honest with you. The way that the economy works is it works on the ability to anticipate excess supply versus the demand. When that happens, confidence drives our prices down because we know there's going to be a greater surplus. When you allow for those who have leases to actually start drilling, to start using those leases for, for more energy excavation, you put our economy in the strongest position. And as a result of that, prices start going down. All right. It was a good answer. But Tim Scott, I said this last night, he seems like such a nice guy. And I love his story. He seems like a really good man, and he just speaks so haltingly all the time. This is the same. I know it's 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 superficial, but it matters because you're 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 trying to be a communicator. And the same thing with RFK Jr. I don't agree with all his politics, but if I did, man, it's just it's oh, it's hard to listen to. Chris Christie, he then agrees with Tim Scott. Part of the entire premise of the question, and I agree with Tim on this, is absolutely energy is the key to this because it drives every one of those other prices. You know, now food gets to your grocery store, it gets trucked. Wait, what? And those truckers have to pay for fuel, for the higher fuel prices. And when you go ahead and you tell people, we are going to unleash every bit of American energy, every bit of its potential, what happens in the futures markets? The prices go down. Right. Because those people who are believing that the Biden program will continue are the ones who are bidding this up. Right. It's a futures market. Also, the gas stations at your retail level, at the consumer-facing level, um, they're buying the next shipment. That's always the case. They've already bought the gas that's in the ground, in their tanks. They've already bought it. You might say it's a sunk cost, if you will. <laughs> Sorry. It's, anyway, it's a little bit of economist humor. I don't even think it is, actually. Never mind. But the point here is that you're buying the next shipment. That's what the money coming in is what you've, you've already paid for that. So that's why you get the initial capital, buys the initial uh, investment, the initial gas, and now you're always looking for the future. And so if you're buying, and then they got like the spot market where you're buying. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is that like Lester Holt's an idiot. Oh, I shouldn't say he's an idiot, but I mean, he, it was a bad question. And then the follow-up just made it worse. Let me go to the uh, the mail sack here and uh, take a look. We've got Scott. He says, anybody who would suggest that there's no proof that sleeper cells are in the country who uh, via the southern border is fooling themselves. Refresh my memory. Wasn't in 19 terrorists who carried out 9-11? People better wake the hell up. I, I hope I'm wrong. But I'm afraid another type of terror event will happen before the general election. 
Uh, Jan says, Pete, I have always valued the fact that you listen to these political poop storms, so I don't have to. And I certainly believe you deserve a raise for that. I appreciate that. But the small parts that I am listening to making my eyes bleed. So I try to limit it. I only pulled nine sound bites, and I only played eight of them. So uh, Steve says, by their own argument regarding DeSantis's claim of flying Americans home from Israel, did NBC just publicly say that Obama did not kill bin Laden? Oh, that's true. Right, that's true. He didn't actually take him out, which is weird because I thought like I thought Barack Obama like flew the chopper and then like had it hover in place and he like put the knife between his teeth and he slid down the line. He killed all the terrorists in the uh, the the compound in Pakistan. Sorry, Pakistan. And uh, and then he took the body and he like put it over his shoulder and he, like climbed all the way back up and he flew it out and he gave the you know burial at sea. Peace be upon him. And then that was like then he came back and told us. I thought that's what Obama did. Uh, Stan says on consensus, Nikki Haley said that we need to come to consensus on the abortion issue. I don't recall Jesus ever suggesting coming to a consensus with his detractors. When you've espoused a moral conviction on an issue and then pull back from the precipice when it looks like it might cost you something to stay with your convictions, you've just told us you're another you're just another swamp politician. Uh, by the way, Nikki Haley wasn't half the governor McMaster is. She is lu- she'll be lucky to win her own state. Um, look, well, I understood what Nikki Haley's argument has been. She's made this argument twice at these debates. So she's been consistent on it, which is it's, you know, politics is the, is the, uh, the art of the possible, right? What can you get done? And that's not to say that you abandon your principles. It, it is to say that you identify what is realistically achievable. You, you get that achieved and then you keep fighting and keep pushing the overton window and this is this is what the left does all the time this is the long march for the institutions they are constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and um and that's what the right needs to do but the right is usually just like oh no don't change anything rather than advancing it's just this constant falling back and that's, I think, more along the lines of what she's saying. But you have to be able to say, okay, this is what we want to do. We're not going to be able to do it. What's the closest we can get to doing that? And then get that done and then come back and try for the extra. Now that people now that people see we did this thing that a lot of people opposed, it didn't turn out as bad as everybody said it would. Their predictions were wrong. Then you keep coming back and you keep trying for more. And that's a process. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of persuasion, you know. Might I persuade you to stick around? Brett Winterbull's coming up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.